Hello and welcome to episode 172 of NCP. My name is David, and we'll be the NCP crew. Richard. Hello. Luke. Star Wars. <laughs> and Crystal. Looks excited. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of excitement in the room because uh, we actually have a very special guest making his triumphant return to the show in this episode, and that is Dr. Travis Langley. Oh, that's me. I'm not part of the crew, though. No, well, you're, you're an honorary member of the crew. Oh, oh! The second time I become an honorary member, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll send you a little. We'll send you a little uh, like package of all the things you need uh, in order to be a member. Yeah. Like, um, right. like a little club membership card <laughs> and a patch you can put right. on a jacket. And we and won't. Like yeah, that. We it's won't, like the Justice League Reserve. <laughs> yeah, we won't mention the the right. uh, horrendous fee. <laughs> <laughs> it's only it's only one hundred and twenty nine ninety nine per month. <laughs> So as, uh, as regular listeners will know, that Dr. Dr. Langley joined us uh, for a previous episode with, um, where we discussed uh, superhero psychology and uh, basically, basically all things nerd psychology. Uh, but uh, since then, he has released uh, a book that he edited uh, called Dark Side of the Mind, Star Wars Psychology uh, from uh, Sterling Publishing. And uh, I wanted to talk about that, is namely because of its... Also, you know, it's an awesome book, but also because of the new Star Wars film that's coming out. So I just I thought it would be very, very cool. Star Wars lends itself very well to uh, to psychology. There's a lot of mixed up people in that <laughs> in those films. Some messed up characters. <laughs> oh yeah, I wanted I wanted to do this book years ago. Uh, I know there are going to be people who think, oh, you're just slapping this together because there's a movie coming out. It's like, no, the movie is why a publisher finally lets me slap this together no i wanted i wanted to do this book several no when the batman book first came out and was immediately doing well uh you know back in 2012 you know i wanted to do star wars for the next book and my editor and the publisher there was like well there's no new star wars movie but there will be and star wars always sells what are you talking yeah, about that, that, that's insane i mean it's star wars did, did he not remember the 90s when just out of nowhere suddenly star wars became immensely popular with literally nothing to back it up people just went Oh yeah, Star Wars. That's <laughs> awesome. Let's get into that again. Yeah, well, I deal with a lot of people who were born in the nineties, so. Ah, okay, that makes uh, a lot of sense then. Strange, uh, strange people born in the nineties. Dark times. <laughs> the young pad ones have a lot left to learn yet. <laughs> uh, so, I'm um, Sterling Publishers. Obviously, uh, the people that have, uh, have backed you up—they're also releasing the Walking Dead psychology book. We had that out this summer. Yeah, well, see, last fall at New York Comic Con, I ran into my editor from the Batman book at the previous publisher. Two minutes after I mentioned her to a friend of mine, I said, this is the editor I was just telling you about. Who, wow. You know, uh, doing the Four Dummies books now. She said, well, I'm not doing that now. I'm doing popular culture as of last week. I was like, wait, you're doing popular culture. I've got a series to shop around. You remember that Star Wars book I wanted to do? It is time. And we agreed <laughs> in the hallway we wanted to work together again. Nice. That's, that's a handshake agreement. Yeah, well, within two weeks, the, the publishing company itself was excited about, well, the Star Wars book and the series proposal, where Walking Dead was the main example that I used of other books we could do. I had a list of a lot of stuff in there. And they said, you want to do them both? It's like, heck yeah. It's like, over the last few years, I've gotten to know a lot of other nerdy psychologists. So, you know, I'm listed <laughs> as editor because I'm not doing all the writing, but I'm doing a lot of writing on both books. So it's not just like it's a stack of essays. Yeah. You know, there's... You know, we're pulling them together to have a, a, a sense of a, a dialogue and a feel, a tone uh, throughout it. And it, it's, I love working on these books. It is a lot of fun. A lot of work, but a lot of fun, too. It's like, well, i got to go do some research. I need to, to pull out a Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do like what you said about uh, a sort of a theme and tone. Like it's, um, it it yeah. starts off with an excellent forward by Carrie Goldman. Um, who's the author of Bullied? Uh, I, I, I Carrie really, is great. Yeah. Carrie is Carrie is a, a doll. She, you know, her daughter Katie, uh, uh, the Star Wars girl who had been picked on, you know, for taking some Star Wars merchandise to school, and Carrie blogged about this, and it went viral, and then all kinds of people weighing in with support. The five hundred first made a little stormtrooper outfit. 
for her daughter Katie. And then when uh, about two years later, when Katie outgrew that, she passed it on to another little girl that she heard about getting picked on for her nerdy interest. And so it's just a wonderful story. Carrie, Carrie is such a doll. She's a tiny little woman, but you would not believe it from what a big personality she has. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, with the, the, her daughter being bullied for liking Star Wars and stuff, I just that just I can't find that really strange. I just. I can't quite understand as what I mean. There's it being a nerd is about being accepted. I just don't get this yeah. how well, she, girls she have such a hard time. But she was getting picked on over gender, saying, "Oh, that's not for girls." Yeah, mm. it's so strange. Yeah. It's really strange. I mean, that's what I guess that sort of ties into uh, what was going to be one of my first questions. I'll jump ahead a little bit, but uh, the the lack of female character toys. I find very disturbing. I, so I actually did a I did a post about it uh, fairly recently where um, they just don't seem to learn their lesson. I mean, the Avengers film, Avengers: Age of Ultron, came out and they released a box set of you know a whole bunch of figures. And there's no Black Widow. They released a box set of uh, the the motorbike that she rides in the film that she actually rides in the film, yeah. but instead it's got Captain America on it. And then and, <laughs> yes. now, and now Star Wars, you've got a box set of the main characters and there's no Ray. And it's like, well, she's the main character. <laughs> so, I know, very clearly. <laughs> unless they're really messing with us, she is clearly the main character. Yeah. 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 It's so really you have to strange. learn from that. So, well, I mean, I know there have been times, like, I do remember sets of Fantastic Four figures and the Invisible Girl would be the last one sold. Okay, yeah. yes, there's been that along the way. But, okay, so there were some left. That doesn't mean none of them sold. And by gosh, for the principle of it. Yeah. And the point of building the future market, have them there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and don't a... put them in the boy boys aisle. That's part <laughs> of yeah, well, that's that's another thing. Yeah. the boys aisle. Yeah. Well, that that was my theory that um, if they make the girl figurines, does that then make that a, a doll for girls, and then the boys won't buy it? So I think there's a very clear defi- definition between a doll and an action figure. I mean, there are female <laughs> character action figures. Mm. I had female character yeah, action I, figures. I'm not saying that's what... The, I'm, I'm yeah. wondering if that's the thinking that's, behind I think that the is, toy people. That's their thinking, yeah. yeah. They, 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 they think that boys yeah. don't want to play with female figures. And it's just, it's just so wrong. They really do. Yeah. yeah the, the, cre- <laughs> the creators of G.I. Joe were the ones who invented the phrase action figure yeah. so that it would then be okay for boys to buy those dolls. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. that's right. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had Scarlet and... Baroness. Yeah, yeah, they, they still only created like two figures initially, and one of them was a villain. So, but then, the, oh, way back, it's like there there weren't even uh, villains. It's like there was uh, the eleven inch tall GI Joe. Yeah, he had his adventures, no enemy. Yeah, and then later on, they shrink him from eleven inches down to what five? Yeah, five. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah I remember Eddie Murphy commenting about he would not appreciate getting shrunk from eleven inches to five. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he also did tell a joke about playing G.I. Joe in the bath. Let's, uh, let's... Yes! Oh, yes! A very vivid description of G.I. Joe exploring caves. <laughs> let's not, let's people, not... list, people listening either get the joke or they don't. Let's, not, let's not go there. I do, I do quite like the new ad that's, came out, that's come out for uh, some batteries that shows uh, the kids using um, both, both a male and female uh, children using lightsabers. So sort of, uh, I think that helps. Well, traditionally, um, really, a a lot of the nerd culture stuff has been um, notoriously slow on uh, picking up on the fact that there are actually nerd girls out there. Um, (laughs) And but it amazes me today because I mean, you look at the just the sheer like presence of women in nerd culture and you know from from the cosplayers to the creators to characters to yeah. you, you think that they would have caught up by now and and realized that there is a whole market that they've just been so notoriously slow for for tapping into yeah. i mean um, i figure in some cases it has to do with some differences in cultural standards too because yeah. you know so much of this merchandise is being you know put together by companies elsewhere in the world you know who can be in environments with different perspectives and who may not be there in the thick to realize what the American market is. That's, I guess, for one of the many causes. You know, your, your greater problems are on the American end, but you know that that's probably on the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we before we move on to uh, more about the the book itself and some of what I thought were the highlights, can we act, I'm actually very interested, uh, Travis, in your your first Star Wars experience. 
Once upon a time, I was born a nerdy child. <laughs> no, I was a, well, I was a kid when the star, first Star Wars movie came out, but I didn't see it for months because the small town I lived in, you know, I was either going to have to wait over a year before movies came there because they would stay in the theater for a long time back then. You know, there would be the second run and the, the A and the B. And But it was when I went to see uh, Grandparents in Alexandria, Louisiana, that I finally got to see this movie that I'd been hearing about for months. And mm-hmm. had been intriguing to me as the, the nerdy kid who just didn't see other people around me in the environment who seem interested in these nerdy things. To hear that the number one movie in the world was this science fiction epic. And wow. It was, in its own way, it was a hope for me that things are changing, and there are a whole lot of people out there interested in these things that I'm interested in. Uh, and and I saw it, and, and I enjoyed it. It's uh, and, and and it stayed with me. And while, of course, I was more of a reader, so I mean, I was very much a science fiction reader. So I was also among those seeing. It's like okay, there are all kinds of things where you're not getting, you know, a bit more of your hard science fiction. But it was still, it's an amazing thing that he pulled together, you know, in, in this film with these these things that some people have seen with Kurosawa films and cowboy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had not seen these kind of adventures with science fiction. You, know, you had not seen a movie where you're you're seeing this epic battle. You know, with you know the fleets and so forth, and it was it was an amazing thing that pulled together so many things that interested people, but in the science fiction setting, and and I you know I I read the Star Wars comic book from Marvel Comics when it was first out and was intrigued in that, and you know by the time Empire Strikes Back came out, you know I was so eager for Star Wars, I, I got the novelization of Empire Strikes Back, which you know back then came out about five weeks before the movie, yeah. so. I was among those who knew Darth's big secret. Um, <laughs> so, so there I am. Okay, that one, I, I mean, we, I got to make a trip uh, to go see it in its second day. Cool. So nice. I didn't have to just keep waiting. And, you know, there's my sister next to me, and I remember what theater I was in for that one, too. This <laughs> dome-shaped theater. And uh, clearly the rest of the room had not read the novelization because it's like just people froze throughout the entire theater, theater when he said, no, I'm your father. Uh, just eyes went wide. It was a surprise <laughs> to people in 1980. That is so awesome. You don't see that anymore. You just don't see the surprise reaction anymore. Is that because I we know. are so, as a, um, as a culture now, so um, ready to accept that twists are going to happen? Yeah, we expect it to happen. Mm. And, and, of course, yeah. these trailers that show you everything. And and just instant information. Yeah, the though. internet. Like, you, you can you can find the entire plot of a movie weeks, sometimes even months <laughs> before the actual the film comes out. But I just wonder if you could comment on that, then, Doctor Langley. I mean, before Empire Strikes Back, we had Star Wars and the the um the demarcation between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader was quite clear. You know, Luke Skywalker was the was the white hat, um, was the was was the um the the, the knight in shining armor, and Darth Vader was the Black Knight, and we knew that one was the good guy, and one was the bad guy, um, and so our expectations going into Empire Strikes Back was that they were going to remain the same, and then suddenly Vader shifts the paradigm by saying we are actually more alike than you think, and because we'd gone in, because we'd gone in with that earlier um, set of ideas, is that what also would have surprised people as well? Yeah, it violated expectations in interesting ways. Movies had never done this before. Mm. You think about movies that had sequels, there's never one where you discovered, you know, this major thing from a previous one was simply wrong. Mm. You know, you took it, okay, here's the villain who killed his father, he's got this mission to avenge, and, and no movie had ever done a revelation like that before in a series. You can see a revelation like that within a specific film. But not one that had been building in a series where there was one that was a sequel to another that redefined what had happened on happened before. Bride of Frankenstein did not redefine you know what happened with the original monster you know and and, and so on through these films. Uh, Empire Strikes Back it it redefined that relationship 
and, and not just between those two characters, between what we understood as the white hats and the black hats. Mm. And mm. so, so Darth, you find out there's this other side to him, and Luke, you know, he's he's having to face you know his own other side as he's there training in Dagobah, and he has this weird nightmare sequence, which some people think doesn't belong in the film, but in terms of the kind of psychology involved, it is a critical moment. Oh, you know, great. George Lu- George Lucas was having trouble finishing his original story until he discovered the works of Joseph Campbell, and through that Jungian psychology and the hero's journey, and he realized this is the kind of story I'm telling, and it helped him finished that original story and you know the first star wars movie which was called star wars until 1981 when finally it started saying episode four a thank new hope you. thank you <laughs> well i noticed you called it star wars that was yeah. interesting to me because i still call it star wars well, i, I mean, will make i will make myself say a new hope but i it's star wars in my head well i mean it was uh, star wars it was star wars when i first saw it i, w- I was three when the film came out i saw it i think two or three times at the cinemas. It was Star Wars then, so it's Star Wars now. That's all there is to it. And it was still Star Wars for a long time. Yeah. You know, yeah. People were not in the habit of calling it a new hope. It's it was it was it was Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. That's what we called them. We did not call them episode four, episode five, episode six. Mm. That did not become the trend until the prequels came along mm. and people started saying episode one because the letters were larger as opposed to burying it wasn't even called episodes, they were chapters. Yeah. It was it was what we thought of them as. I mean you know it would say episode and text, but we thought of them as chapters. Mm. Uh, it was just, that wasn't what we called them. So mm. you you get into the nineties before people really started calling it a new hope mm. on, on any kind of wide scale. So after the big surprise revelation of Empire, did you then go and see Return of the Jedi at the cinema as well? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I saw that at uh, the theater and saw it at the theater again, saw it at the drive-in. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, if, 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 a, if a girl I was seeing had not seen it, oh, you need to see this movie! Um, <laughs> That's awesome. That's brilliant. <laughs> all right, so the, the same question that I ask all Star Wars-related guests, uh, whenever I have the opportunity, because I just can't help myself, uh, please rank the Star Wars films oh, no. in uh, in order of uh, best to last. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, uh, Return of the Jedi, other stuff. <laughs> oh, I see, the first three yeah. don't even get a mention. That's a... <laughs> their other, other stuff. stuff. <laughs> Come on. Well, I'm very pleased that you put Empire first. That's good. You're pleased just because well, it, the it's, it's a, yeah. well, Empire. It's, it has the advantage of a lot of these films, these adventure type films, these films with heroes. You don't have to do the origin story. Mm. And mm. for Luke Skywalker, you know, A New Hope was an origin story. Yeah. And mm. then so for him, Empire Strikes Back was Spider-Man 2, X-Men 2, you know, where mm. they, they got to get into other things. Okay, we've established these characters. Now we go into what else happens. Not just what else do they do, but what else does it do to them? What are the consequences of what happened in that previous story? And when we get into these things with Empire Strikes Back, and it's just really strong, it's... In some ways, it's an. It looks like an oddly plotted movie when you try to explain. As I okay, they they all have the stuff on the ice planet, and then these guys run this way. Luke flies off to train and is doing his own stuff entirely through the entire film. It's like he's having a completely separate story. Mm. And then oh, I need to fly back over there and join them for the, for you know the, the final scene. And it, it'll it'll but thematically, it all ties together very importantly, very well. Mm. There was also, I think, the, the difficulty a lot of people had, certainly at the time, of a movie that didn't wrap everything up neatly at the end. But instead, they get a, basically a cliffhanger ending. Yeah, it does not stand on its own the same way. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I mean, it ha- there is a complete story you can look at, but so many things have been opened up and that must be answered and must be resolved. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, Back to the Future, okay, they're flying off at the end for, oh, your kids about your kids, but, you know, the movie's been complete, mm. you know. But the, the subsequent Back to the Future is, well, he's not back home yet. So, yeah. um, you know, each, you know, there's more cliffhangery stuff. Of course, Back to the Future 2, it's like two movies. Um, yeah. But yeah. it's but it is following some story design laid out by Star Wars. Yeah. Of thinking in terms of these three movies that will ultimately weave together. Yeah. And that's sort of become a bit of a, 
I guess, a trap of Hollywood, particularly when it comes to big budget yeah. science fiction, uh, comic book adventure suit, um, adventure stories that um, they don't think in terms of the the one film anymore. It's now how does this arc over multiple films, mm. and you know, totally. so it, and sometimes they get it wrong, like Pirates of the Caribbean. They actually make the mistake in the second and third films of trying to arc it, where, where which yeah. where, well, where even the arc worse wasn't than that clear. is Matrix. Yeah, true, but you, could, the, but you could argue in the Matrix yeah. that there is an overriding storyline, whereas in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, right. there actually isn't an overriding storyline. No, um, no with, with Pirates and the Matrix, in each case, you've got one movie followed by a two-part sequel. Yeah, so, yeah. Now, Empire Strikes Back, even with all the, the things that are left, it's like, this... What's the answer to this? Is, is Darth Vader really his father? What's going to happen now? And how's Luke going to deal with his robotic hand? There's Han. He's off frozen. But <laughs> it, it's, it doesn't feel like, oh, you just kind of stopped in the middle of a story. Yeah, You've got yeah. a story with a lot of stuff left hanging. Yeah. With those, those uh, Matrix sequels and Pirates of the Caribbean, it's, it's definitely not a complete story. It is just flat as okay. We've seen half of a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And people get frustrated by that. I remember, well, like the first Lord of the Rings movie, it threw a lot of movie viewers <laughs> off because okay, the whole thing is one big long, you know, fifty-hour or twelve-hour <laughs> extended versions uh, story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the whole thing from the first part was that way. So you don't have people at the end of the second one going, well, it's still not over yet, <laughs> you know, like with some of these others. Oh, you do get that at the third film, though, with the, you know, the six different endings. Come <laughs> 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 oh, on. But uh, no, actually, that's a, that's a classic story of mine. Is actually, I saw Lord of the first Lord of the Rings uh, uh, with a friend of mine, and um, she wasn't she's never read the books and didn't know anything about all of the reasons and stuff, and it got to the end, and she was like, "Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even reach the mountain." <laughs> was she she was very, very upset. Um, so to tie, sort of tie it back a, a little bit earlier to uh, the toy discussion we had, you said that you saw Empire Strikes Back with your sister. Um, so yeah. this, I mean, this obviously started your, you know, Star Wars obsession with life. But how, how did she? Was she sort of into it as well? Did you buy the figurines and play together and stuff? No. No. <laughs> uh, I, I've got my little C-3PO action figure from when I was a kid right in front of me here in my office. Awesome. Uh, and I've got a, a an R2-D2 flash drive uh, that looks like it goes with it sitting next to it because uh, my kids, when they were little, they kind of messed up the, the R2-D2 that I had. But you know what? It's still got to be a toy. It's yeah. still got to, to yeah. you know, and if you watch the Toy Story movies, you know the importance of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's, uh, it was... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I still felt pretty isolated uh, oh. on these things. Although one oh. time when, when I was a teenager, I babysat for these friends of my dad because the parent, they were all going out and I didn't get paid. Uh, but <laughs> I saw it's like one of the kids, he had all these Star Wars figures. It's like, wow. Um, but uh, no, I, we, we didn't play those together. I, I would discuss this stuff with friends. Yeah. A couple of friends, and one friend in particular, who, who who loves Star Wars and science fiction, and you know, he, he introduced me to Doctor Who, and he doesn't even know that. Um, as I, I brought that up with him not too long ago, I was mentioning, no, you introduced me to Doctor Who because you were talking about these things that Harlan Ellison talked about in uh, Starlog magazine, which became an introduction for these books. How I was like, you know, Luke Skywalker, I think Ellison called him a panty waist or something like that. <laughs> you know, so there's no a real hero is Doctor Who. And so, you know, the, so the things you get into, the things you're interested in these younger days, could still be with you all these years later. In my day, in my case, I get paid to talk now about things I didn't really get to talk with many people about when I was a kid. Although, regarding my sister, her kids are into this stuff, especially the younger one, a ten-year-old. Uh, at Thanksgiving, for over about an hour and a half. He just kept bringing up Star Wars. He just kept bringing up. So he was just so excited about this upcoming movie, and that's and he did refer to something in trailers that I had not known that would actually count as a spoiler. Uh, but you know what? That child's excitement is more important than me being spoiled or not. Yeah, awesome, absolutely. It, it is amazing to see the whole new generations of children discovering Star Wars. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of my yeah. friends are in the same boat. They have kids who are you know six, seven years old, and they've just become obsessed with it at, at, at the same age that I did, basically. And it's, it's brilliant to see. Yeah. There's a lot of responsibility yeah. and pressure on this film to be good. Yeah. <laughs> you mean like Episode One? 
So as I was, so, so Travis, I, I tried to time this into uh, to the new film, but it's, uh, what are your your thoughts? You're are you, are you hopeful. Oh yes, very. Uh, I've I've always I always assumed there would be an episode seven, although it's not called episode seven. But I always assumed there would be another one. I had just started to wonder, will it happen during George Lucas's lifetime? And uh, when people are going, he sold it to Disney. Aren't you worried? It's like. No, I saw the prequels. I'm not worried. There are, there are games and comics and expanded universe novels and, and animated series. So many things that show there are a lot of people who know how to tell good Star Wars stories because yeah. it resonates with people in so many different ways, so many different levels. So I, I'm excited to see people get to continue the epic on screen. Awesome. That's good. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> it's, it gets so bogged down in the sort of the online cynicism. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad someone's excited. Because I'm well, excited. The, cynic, the, the, the things you're cynical about, or the things you're frustrated about, it's so much easier to go on and on about the negatives. It's like this, and here's the problem. And here's the problem. As opposed to, uh, yeah, I feel good. Yeah, yeah, and the, the yeah. internet has given people the forum now to actually ex- vent their frustrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's as, as you say, it's so much easier to do that, and really nobody yeah. nobody seems to want to read or listen to somebody saying, you know what, I'm actually pretty excited. This is kind of cool. Well, here's here's the chance because I am damn excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I must admit the, the anticipation is building up. You I'm know? counting down the hours. I've seen, I've seen the trailer a few times now, <laughs> um, the multiple trailers. Have, yeah, you seen, have, you, have you seen the Japanese trailer? No. So you're not a true fan, I've seen more. Multiple no, there, was, there was a guy from uh, the media uh, at my university, the public relations, who was interviewing me. And he mentioned that his teenage daughter has a timer on her phone yep. counting down until uh, the movie comes out. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got I've got the website bookmark that has the time account now. Oh, look, six hundred and fifty million dollars worth of ticket sales, and the film hasn't even come out yet. I think it's a pretty good sign that you know so, something something is happening and people are excited about it. A little bit, yeah, yeah. License to print money, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the book itself. Um, hey, there's a book. Oh yeah, a- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> We're plugging a book, people. Come on, uh, Dark Side of the Mind: Star Wars Psychology. Uh, it's from. Hold on, one thing I gotta say about the title is I know that's how it looks on the cover. Yeah. Um, that's not actually the title. Right. It, it, it drives me crazy that on the first two books, um, there was someone who had some sway who <laughs> said, oh, you should put the subtitle above the title. And okay. so people, it's, it's actually Star Wars Psychology, Dark Side of the Mind, doesn't look like it on the cover, but that's why it says Star, Star Wars Psychology on the Spine. I'm glad. I'm glad no. to hear you say that because uh, I thought it was a bit weird. <laughs> so you won't say anything, yeah, I know. but you've from already the, said it. From, so. from our from our third book on, from Game of Thrones onward, the subtitle will be at the bottom where it's supposed to be. Right. Um, so <laughs> it, it, it just drives me crazy for no good reason. The title is confusing people, which is a shame. If it wasn't for the fact that Star Wars is emblazoned in big, bright letters on the cover, it could actually be, you know, a psychology book about Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is, it is a play on Pink Floyd. I know my editor had that in mind. Um, well, you know, it's not musical, and it's not direct enough for that to be a copyright issue. Uh, but, uh, you know, well, see, that was one. It's like Batman and Psychology, uh, A Dark and Stormy Night. The yeah. subtitle was my idea. The Walking Dead Psychology, Psych of the Living Dead. That one was my idea. Uh, cool. But with Star Wars Psychology, I wanted Jedi Mind Tricks. Nice. Oh, cool. that's better. Actually, yeah, that, that would have been better. <laughs> it would have been, but Jedi is a trademarked word, so mm. uh, unless the entire book were about Jedi, it would be very hard to make a case for, for needing that subtitle. So, uh, and, and I understand that. Yeah. Um, but for a while it was listed on Amazon, months early it was listed on Amazon and, and other sites initially as Jedi Mind Tricks, until I was like, no, we can't use that. And I understood, because it is a trademarked word. And you don't want to mess with Disney legal. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll oh, come after and, you. And my, 
editor, my editor suggested Dark Side of the Mind, and my first thought was, well, that seems kind of negative, but I discussed it with my writers. And it's like, well, if we take it in the Jungian sense of the phrase, no, it's not. Yes. You know, and, and which is important for Star Wars. You know, we're, 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 most of us aren't Jungians, but Jung is very important because it actually directly shapes Star Wars through uh, the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell's work. And uh, so, you know, because from that perspective, the dark side of the mind, it, it's not necessarily the evil side. Some of the best stuff can come from that. It's, it's the side that's not out in the light, the unexplored side, the hidden part of who you are. A lot of your greatest strengths are there. It's like, okay, if we look at it like that, and I'll just make sure, you know, my forward and my afterward, I address these things. And it's like, taking it like that, okay, I feel good about the, the subtitle, even though I have to keep telling people it's like that. I mean, if you read... If you read my introduction, for people who read book introductions, they'll, they'll see what we're saying with that subtitle. <laughs> well, I just uh, covered uh, quite a lot of what I just had to say, so that's fine. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, cool. All right, so uh, Sour Psychology, Dark Side of the Mind. <laughs> so it's uh, The book is divided into uh, five major sections, uh, Tales, Kinds, Journeys, Paths, and Awakenings. And each section is then broken down into an examination of that theme, uh, and it touches on subjects like like the hero's journey and uh, the I'm, I'm going to mispronounce it Jungian themes. Oh, uh, yep, you've done wrong. Yay! Uh, um, <laughs> so we spent about ten minutes trying to get uh, Dave to learn how to, to re- say the word Jung and Jungian. You're not meant to reveal this. <laughs> well, it's Jeez. important to understand. I think. I was, oh, I was oh, desperate. You, you, you can edit this part out. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's what you're likely to do. I I was in an interview. I, I tweeted a couple of days ago that yeah, whenever people say during interviews, oh, we'll edit this out. I always wonder if they really will. And uh, it was a reply to somebody else who commented <laughs> about that sort of thing. Yeah. He said, yeah, an interview that I had done was what made him bring it up because they'd left in whatever it was going to get edited out. <laughs> well, just so for the sake, talking for the- and the listeners are, are, are maybe hearing this stuff about how this stuff doesn't get edited out. No. What were you saying? Oh, Jung, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, like Jung. J is pronounced like a Y. The U is pronounced like the U in book. Jung. 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 Yeah, look, it's, it's oh, close for, enough. For the, sake, for the sake of comedy, I'll keep all that in. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, so yeah, so each, each section is then broken down. So it touches on subjects like the hero's journey, of course. Um, phantom oh. limbs, which I thought was very interesting. Mm. I've never seen anyone discuss the effects that having phantom limbs would actually have on Vader. Um, I thought that was oh, very, yeah. very interesting. Yep. Oh, and Luke as well. Yep, yep. Um, um, oh, and poor Dooku doesn't even get a chance to experience it because he's dead five seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, religion, uh, can we define good and evil? Do droids have feelings? I mean, I'm always, always fascinated about that scene in Return of the Jedi where the droid's being tortured. Where yeah. Eve 9 yep. 9 is actually torturing the power droid. Yeah. And it's like, well, he's squealing in pain. How is this? Why? Why would you give your droid pain receptors? <laughs> um, and, uh, and even Lando's portrayal. Um, it's just, that's, and that's just to name a few. That's, it's, it's a lot more topics covered there. I know. When uh, Jay Scarlett wanted to write a chapter on Lando Calrissian's ethical dilemma, and my first thought was, you want to write a chapter about Lando? <laughs> uh, but, but it's a really good chapter. It is. And I... I I found the analysis interesting. I even wound up talking about Lando when I was talking about the agreeableness personality factor because he is somebody who goes to great lengths to try to agree with people and get along. Okay, let's get, just get along with the Empire. Okay, that's not working. We'll get along with the Rebels. Yeah. Because uh, there will be a, a lot of people who will uh, define that particular personality factor as likableness. And yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? Jar Jar Binks goes to an awful lot of effort to get along with people but likable is not the first word most people use when talking about jar jar <laughs> <laughs> well on the subject of jar jar just really got to insert it in i've got to hear your thoughts um there's a, a an internet theory as i'm sure you're aware that says that uh, jar jar is in fact a sith lord and the one uh, who's controlling all the actions for the for previous films <laughs> obviously uh, it's, obviously it's funk but what do you think yeah. Oh, it's just a funny thing to speculate on. <laughs> um, my, my favorite idea along these lines is, well, I mean, it's not even, um, it's just an interpretation that the phantom menace of episode one is really Qui-Gon Jinn. You know, and not that he's wow. trying to be, it's just all these mistakes he makes <laughs> and what sets up all these horrible things to happen. <laughs> he does stuff up a lot, Qui-Gon. <laughs> 
Fuck yes. Like that. It's like everybody's saying, don't train that kid. Don't train that kid. I'm going to train that kid. Don't train that kid. I'm dying. Hey, Ben, train that kid. Oh, okay. And, you know, and look what happened. <laughs> the Jar Jar is a simple one. The one, the, the one, I mean, obviously it's, it's rubbish, but I did love the bit where it, where it wrote that. Notice that Jar Jar is always whispering whenever everybody else is talking. It's actually because yeah. it's him mind controlling them to say whatever he wants. <laughs> oh, that's and funny. it's true. Actually, we have to look back. He is actually whisper- he, his lips are moving when other people are talking. But I think it's actually just because it's him trying to follow along the conversation. It's like like yeah. your lips moving when you're reading. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. hilarious. Music on the force choke you. Poor Jar Jar. So. Uh, actually, I, I do have some favourite chapters. I mean, I like obviously I like the, the whole book, but I do have some favourite chapters that I wanted to discuss in, in detail. Um, my absolute favourite chapter is eleven, uh, which is a distressing damsel, Leia's heroic journey, uh, written by Mara Wood. Um, yes, I think it's I think it's perfect. I think it's a perfect explanation for just how awesome Leia is as a character. She's one of my favourite characters in. Yeah, and it's it's one of the few where I said, yeah, go ahead and pull stuff from expanded universe novels. Mm. Uh, because for the most part, I told everybody, focus on the movies, because that's what more people will know. Yeah. Especially the original trilogy, uh, because that's what more people will know. But if there's a point that you can make, and it's better for you to use an example from animated series, or novels, or even a game, Ooh. Or in the case of the Lando chapter, a game guide. Yeah, um, oh yeah, then, it, was, it was like a card game guide or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then go, then go ahead and use that example. Just keep in mind, most of your readers will have no idea what you're talking about, so you have to explain it differently. And with uh, her going into Leia's background and Leia's own journey, how does Leia become a hero? Because Leia's a hero before we ever meet her in the films. Yeah, we yeah. see, we see Luke's journey. We see uh, Han Solo's journey. We don't see Leia's journey because she's already a hero. Yeah. And so she goes into, you know, she goes into, you know, what would Leia's journey have been? So she goes into some of these novels uh, about Leia growing up. Although that's also about just how films and stories throughout the world tend to do a very weak job of depicting heroines' journeys. Yeah. And, you know, she brings up in the chapter about, uh, you know, one who came up with this idea of this hero's journey, who brought it up with Joseph Campbell, and he, he just kind of dismissed it. He wasn't that interested yeah. in what goes on with heroines. So, you know, when he's talking about the hero with a thousand faces, he's talking about, you know, a thousand dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, I mean, she does touch on, on the, the feminist uh, theory. Um, it was just, it was fascinating stuff. And I saw this, I wanted to touch on the... Um, the slave layer aspect. So there's, there's been a lot of talk yeah. about slave layer in the media at the moment um, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, the the no. idea that or the rumor it actually hasn't even been confirmed that Disney is going to is canceling all future slave layer merchandise. Um, Has that not been confirmed? I thought that was confirmed. No, I think it's, it hasn't been confirmed by anybody by, from Disney. Um, but, it's, oh, but because okay. there are no future solicitations for slave layer merchandise, everybody just—it's well, you know, pretty safe to say that that actually is true. They've got new stuff to do. Okay, so there's not yeah. right now. Well, that's right. Um, I mean, they've got to focus yeah. on the new stuff. So, um, but also, also, um, I found I was fascinated by Carrie Fisher's uh, comments where she. Yeah, yeah. Her her reply was that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she was very. She, I mean, she, back when she was actually in in that role, role um, she was you know pretty much pro for it. Got, she made comments along the lines of, "It's like, well, my uh, my kids will have a chance to see just how sexy I was, you know, back when I was you know thin and thin and young, and you know, and sort of comments along those sort of lines." I mean, she actually didn't really seem to mind it from what from what I could tell, what I could from what I was reading. Yeah, it was here is this thing that Jabba the Hutt put her in to sexualize her to demean her yep. and she did not let it do that to her yes. in fact she took that she took that chain and killed him with it yes yeah it's it's brilliant it's like it's, it's, wonder it's, woman wearing bracelets it comes from that original story with those amazons yeah. wearing bracelets to remind them of a time when they'd been enslaved you know so they could also okay. remember you know, we use this same stuff that people used to try to hold us down to empower ourselves cool mm. And and that seems to be the the thing that is often lost in this argument that 
It's not like Leia's enjoying being no. chained up to this giant slug. No. And she no. she does. She gets revenge on him for Yeah, but the, the, thing that, the thing that's sort of brought up is it's, just, it's basically the male, I mean, the directors and writers who have put her in this sort of sexual thing yeah. and sort of into the... But, but she's not... She, they've sexualized her character when she was never had to be before. Well, they've, they've tried... I, I think the, the person enslaving her has tried to sexualize her character, but she, you know, as, as the professor says, she turns that around... Um, on him, yeah. and I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I never saw it as being sexualized. I saw it as being a, a torment for her because she is such such a powerful character through um, the films up until that point. I'm the same, and yeah. and then you know she's she's placed in this demeaning position, and she does what Leia does. She kicks ass and I takes know, out the person that has done it, this to her. As, so, as a let's, yeah. let's sexy up Princess Leia no. and drive more sales. I saw I mean, it she, more she, of a. She looks a, we'll uncomfortable just, and. Yeah distraught and angry about the situation that she's in. It's not yeah. like she's lying there going, it's hey, that, everybody, check me out. Yeah, it's like, it's like Jab- so Jabba the Hutt has, has, has tried to demean her, and, and she's and she, like, well, now now you've got to pay the price. Yeah. He I, makes a huge well, mistake. I, I saw it yeah. the same way, but um, as I was a, a child when I first saw it too, but that's the way, I think that's the way it was intended, and that's the way I, I received it. But it would have been interesting to see mm. how I would have perceived it if I, the first time I'd seen it was as a grown woman. Oh, that's, what, okay. that's what I was going to ask, was, you know, of the male members of the, of the podcast, and you've got to bear in mind that when Return of the Jedi came out, I would have been maybe two or three. So... Yeah. Um, any obvious titillation wasn't going to affect, and it doesn't for that reason. Yeah. Um, but was anyone was Dave or Richard? Oh yeah, look, you, I, I'm, no, I'm not the titillation sh- that you're meant to that you're meant to get from that scene. Was that apparent? Well, okay, I, well, I'm not. I'm not ashamed to say that. Yes, I was. I I, I can very vividly remember my teenage self being titillated because I thought mm. she was. Yes, she was sexy, but I also also was old enough to understand the the implications of what was actually going on. That mm. it was actually. Her, mm. Jabba the Hutt demeaning her. Mm. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm yeah, actually... when, you, when you first see it open, and there she is in that outfit. You, you, um, there's a something disturbing about it too, yeah. and Ooh, there yeah. should be. Yeah, yeah. I, I never had a, a, a sexual reaction to it at all um, in any way. I mean, I I, I saw it right from really? the outset. Yeah, I saw it You're right from the outset for me. what it was. But also, I actually, I, I disagree with, with one of the points you're making. I don't think it is done for titillation at all. Well, that, it definitely all. is. The, the, but because the, then the next no. part, I would, does anyone comment on the fact that she then spends um, the rest of the film trilogy um, covered completely from head to toe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at, that this is the one moment where she is exposed. Look, if it was meant for titillation, and she's still strong. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. and that, that's the thing. At no point is Leia. Weak. Even when hmm. she is in that outfit, she is still, she is rebelling in any way that she possibly can. Yeah. Um. Throughout the entire film, so I, like I said, I never saw it as being titillating, and I never saw it as being meant to titillate. I saw it as what what it is. It's meant to be Jabba's attempt to demean a powerful character, and then her response to that is to say, "No." It's, yeah. It's even though we can we, we can obviously see that now, though, are you, are you honestly saying that you don't think Lucas wanted to have a bit of titillation? Well, I don't know what was going on in Lucas's mind at the time, but given given the characterization of Leia through all three films, yeah, I, I never saw it as such, and I never saw and and I can't I can't I mean maybe maybe that's what he was going for, but I certainly can't imagine that that was the case. Given Leia is the toughest character in the trilogy from the very start of the film, like yeah. she she's the one person in Star Wars right at the very start who stands up to Vader. And we've just been introduced to Vader. Vader walks amongst a bunch of corpses, yeah. you know, right at the start there. And she steps up to him and she's about, what, a foot and a half shorter than him and just starts teeing off on him. That's so, brilliant. So I, I never saw it that, that there was any titillation with Leia at all. I just saw her as this powerful character. Does anyone also comment on the fact that in, in that moment on Jabba's ship, she's actually there with a purpose and a mission to save Hansel yeah. and then... Her friends, mm. yeah. So it's not like it, this. She's just sort of lumped here. She's actually got a purpose for why she's here. Well, all, all of this, yeah. it, it depends upon. I suppose a lot of the time, it seems that people react to the image rather than to the story. Mm-hmm. You know, the the image of Leia, and of course, it has been sexualized since then as well. And you know, you see the cosplayers all dressing up in the in their outfits, and you know, you can buy you know sexy slave girl outfits online and things like that. But I I think people aren't looking at 
the context of the story in that regard. Exactly. And what's actually going on at that time. And I think if you look at it that way, it's very different. Hmm. Well, I think we've covered everything we can. Do you have any final thoughts on that, uh, Dr. Lindley? Oh, we can go on on any of these ones. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking okay. about all the friends I have who have cosplayed as Leia. That's an awful lot of individuals who they do this. There are so many sexy characters, outfits they could be doing. That one in particular, it grabs so many people because it's not just – it's not a woman choosing to wear a sexy outfit, the character. It is a woman who has been put in this position and it's like she's strong anyway. Yeah. So don't, don't don't you think that there's an interesting sort of uh, I know, sort of juxtaposition between how we how we obviously we've always a group interpreted that that sort of sequence of events, but or, but then with the the sort of classic nerd fantasy as portrayed in Friends, I suppose with with the the girlfriend dressing up as Leia for a bit of sex play. You know what? That actually surprised me um, when, I, when I first saw that episode of Friends. Because they were talking like it was the norm to think of her that way. Hmm. And I was like, well, maybe for the folks writing Friends who weren't the science fiction folks, they assumed that about a nerd. Like, people make all kinds of assumptions about what nerds are like when they write the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, that, that surprised me because I'd, I'd never thought of it that way. Awesome. And I, was, and I was old enough to have thought of it that way when the movie came out. <laughs> actually, yeah, well, like I said, I'm not ashamed to admit that I actually did. I, I was titillated, I'm not ashamed. You were like um, okay. when it came yeah, out. And, um, yeah, well, not, not in a horrible, horrible way, but yeah, <laughs> she was a very attractive woman. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, so that is, that is my favourite chapter. I highly recommend uh, people check that out. I think, I think Mara's done an excellent job. And she's based, I, I agree with everything she said. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, brilliant stuff. I also quite like the uh, like chapter nine. Uh, These archetypes you're looking for by Alex Langley. Any relation? Well, my, my son's chapter. Yeah. Okay, cool, awesome. Oh, there nice. you go. <laughs> I had to because you can never know. Could might not be related. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's yes. cool. Yes, yes. yes. So, These archetypes you're looking for. Yeah, and, and he is he is not a Jungian. Yeah, but uh, he was able to apply that. And, and uh, you know, even the folks at the publisher, they were very impressed with uh, his chapter in particular. He said, this is an example of like how to write these. Yeah, it's it's very well done. And it de- and deals with um, oh, Jungian, uh, <laughs> Jung as a storyteller himself. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, yes. I mean it's, it, people focus on sort of the intellectual, uh, the science sort of behind it. But actually, it was also a storyteller. I mean, hmm. dealing with the shadow of the self. And so going right back to what you were saying at the, at the start, uh, Dr. Lenny, about the... About you know your shadow self and how it is a part of you, and you should you should embrace it. Yeah, right there in the middle of the books, we've got uh, the section, the journeys, yeah. with several chapters that relate in different ways uh, to Jungian psychology. Mm. Uh, you know, and each doing it in different ways. Yeah, he was taking on you know those archetypes, you know, the classic you know content, and then you know Mara with uh, you know with her different way of approaching, and in between was Laura. Uh, who, who was very Jungian, so she was taking a Jungian's view on individuation and personality development. And you know, you know, Laura has done a, a Jungian chapter in each book that she's done a chapter for, and I'm always thinking, is she going to be doing that? But she does a different aspect of Jungian psychology every time. So she's not just taking the same, you know, it's like, okay, let's talk about indi- Jungian individuation with Star Wars. Let's talk about it with Star, Star Trek. Let's talk about it with Walking Dead. No, she does something different every time, and, and that's that's been just wonderful stuff. And I, I'm very pleased with these people. Uh, most of the writers, well, they, they come from two different groups. Uh, people that I got to know through conventions, like doing convention panels with a lot of them, or uh, other people who also blog, usually for Psychology Today. So these are all people that I've had a chance to look at their material, either hear, see what they write or hear them talking at conventions so that I know they know how to their, – their popular culture. They know their psychology. They know how to talk about these together for a general audience, and that's critical for me. Mm. And they know how to do it quickly. <laughs> also important. Well, we're we're doing these books on a pretty tight schedule, but I enjoy that pace. I understand not everybody would. I've been surprised by how many of them are up for this. Well, like if somebody gives me nine months to write a chapter for their book, I write the whole thing in the ninth month anyway. So why not just skip the previous thing? <laughs> cool. The um. So the next uh, the next two chapters I want to discuss with uh, they sort of. They sort of tie together, and it's actually I have a, a, a little bit of an issue with one of them. That I just want to, I want you to address for me. 
Um, so one of the ones that I uh, uh, really liked was uh, chapter 15, which is anxiety disorder, need for imperial control. Uh, was Darth Vader evil or scared uh, by Frank Gaskell? Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, which basically just says is that is it, that everything uh, Anakin slash Darth Vader does is out of fear um, and uh, and the need for control. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Frank is uh, he's saying Darth Vader wasn't evil; he was just scared. And uh, oh. so that's his take on looking at it. Yeah, uh, it's like yeah, we don't all have to agree. That's uh, you know we, we don't all have to have to have the same perspective. Yeah, murdering you know, what thirty <laughs> children? That, yeah. That's pretty. Darn evil. <laughs> <laughs> Darn evil. I like the pause before you said that. Um, yeah. That would have been the perfect chance for an F word. Well, there are people through the world who are, are good in many areas of their lives and have done horrible, monstrous things. Yep. You think about somebody who you know has been you know charitable and kind to neighbors, and okay, his job happens to be you know cranking up the gas on the extermination chamber yeah uh, and, and you know there there are, are good people who've done terrible things or good people who've made bad choices and reacted now in real life good empathetic people don't become mass murderers it right. does not mm-hmm. happen i can buy i can more easily buy the anakin of episodes two and three yeah but but the world's worst monsters don't start this stuff in adolescence or early adulthood. The yeah. world's worst mm-hmm. monsters, when they were small children, were pulling the wings off flies. And what mm-hmm. we saw of Baby Vader back in Episode 1, he's one of the most caring people. He's the one of the ones saying, no, we need to look out for others. And that kind of person does not grow up to become a mass murderer. It doesn't happen. Of course, you could always argue, well, he's a different species. Yeah, we could go into that kind of thing. But that's not the kind of – they're trying to go to what's with real human experience – and I, 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 I just I don't really buy in the course of normal psychological development the happening. Now, I, I got to accepting a bit more. Now, what if you think of the force, especially that dark side, being like a drug, yeah. being like yeah. brain injury that all. And I addressed this somewhere in the book too. Um, you know, although they made me, they wanted me to reduce where I went into the magnetic resonance imaging thing. Um, you know, <laughs> a person, you can have a, somebody who was a caring kid who becomes a drug addict, and that alters their brain, that alters their motivations, where they're not thinking ahead, they're, they're doing worse and worse things. And if you start thinking of it like that, then it starts making some sense to me. It's like, okay, I can see where you know, he's, he's pumped up, you know, he's all messed up and steroided up when he goes wow. in, and oh, there's these kids there, and he's not quite processing the reality of what he's doing. Then it's easier to, to you got to compare if you compare it to something like that in the real world, you know. Because again, the dark side of the force, any part of the force, you're tapping into the emotions of yeah. billions of other beings. So when you're going to the dark side, you're type tapping into the anger and lust and and selfish desires of many many individuals, which can overwhelm normal brain functioning. That's awesome. That's, I guess, in that point, having the highest midi chlorine count ever <laughs> worked against him. Well, just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, knew, I knew you were going to react that way. That's the only reason I said it. Just off that, um, then, Dr. Langley, um, could you then make the argument or the comparison in our world being indoctrinated into a cult with Ooh. the Jedi? Yeah. Ooh. yeah, you do see it. It's like there, there can be, uh, with that aspect, you have the strong, charismatic figure, especially with uh, the Sith and their their mentor, the way their mentors work, mm. um, that they're following. And you see some people who had lived more normal kinds of lives, and bit by bit, they move into this behavior that they're being, you know, guided by somebody else, and they they do things they'd have never done any otherwise. Although, you know, there are also those who choose to leave. Mm. You know. Yeah, you know, those who are are stronger in a lot of ways don't tend to be the ones who just completely follow the cult leader the same way, where their where their own personalities have been strong. And Anakin is never presented as a weak follower type. No. Well, he, he only no. he, I mean, he only joins but he joins because he wants the the knowledge that Palpatine has. The city, the city yeah, he's, he's got something he desires, yeah. something yeah. he loves. And then, it, and then he gets to the point where he can't, he can't leave because Palpatine puts him in the suit that is intentionally defective, and so it's, it's I mean, he's, he's he's basically trapped in in mind and body. 
Yeah, see, and once he's in that suit, now before that, you know, there's a foot in the door thing. Where yeah. bit by bit, get doing more and more evil by degrees. Mm. You know that soldier who who r- runs the gas at Auschwitz. That was not what he did day one as a soldier. He did many other things before he gets to that point. Yeah. No. Now once, once Vader's in that suit, though, and you know, so, something that a few weeks ago I got to speculating about this on, on Twitter. The something that helps the, the personality difference between Darth Vader and what we see of Anakin in episodes one and two. It's kind of hard to buy that as the same person if you really think about the personality. Yeah. But I, I did get to think about it. It was like as we start getting cybernetic implants in our own brains, those can change our personality. Those can t- shut off part of who we are, activate other things. Yep. You know, like just like with. Uh, this uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, we use a magnet to activate or kind of numb, deactivate different parts of the brain. And there are people who've been experiments that when they're having this done, uh, where we suppress part of the, the frontal cortex activity, they can look at a moral dilemma and not realize the moral problem in it. You know, we can kind of shut off the process that processes the morality of it and recognizes what's wrong. And, you know, likewise, these cybernetic implants that are in the brain, they can alter who you are as a person. You know, the, 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 the longer you live with these things, the more they'll activate some parts of the brain, deactivate parts of the brain, or just flat replace part of you. Yeah, plus, so, plus we, it's being pumped with chemicals and stuff like that, yeah? Yeah. So yeah, back to the drug comparison. Mm. So I, I finally decided, okay, you know, and you know, and Ben Kenobi said he's more machine than man now. Yes. And if you look at that in some of the brain, it's like, yeah, okay, I, I can start buying personality alterations. You know, like if we can do the right cybernetics, you know, we we take Mother Teresa. And okay, let's give her the Rambo program. And suddenly, she's not acting the same at all. She's Nunbo. <laughs> <laughs> Could you then lay the blame at the foot of the at the feet of the Jedi then for opening Anakin's mind up to all these possibilities in the first place? <laughs> well, that goes back to Qui Gon Jinn yeah. doing this thing that everybody said don't do. Yeah, <laughs> um, because you know it, he's it, not right for it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and then there he was anyway. It's like, well, we got to deal with him <laughs> again. Back to Qui Gon and his mistakes, but also the the prophecy and the notion of balance. Yep. in the Star Wars yeah. universe. I mean, the notion of balance isn't really introduced until the prequels, but is it, what, what, is, what actually is balance between... What actually is balance in the Force? Um, oh, and no, that, you don't do, see it from any of them, because the Jedi, it means, oh, you get rid of the other guys, so that's not balance. Yeah, that, that, that was the point that I was going to raise, because, yes, this, if the Sith control, it's, it's all chaos and it's not very nice, but... The Jedi, it's still skewed to a certain perspective. There is no, uh, there doesn't seem to be any characters who. I've got to disagree with you there. During the time when the Sith were in control, mm-hmm. it wasn't chaos. It's actually very disciplined. It's, but it's, it's disciplined. order, but it's repressive. Yeah, order. It's, it's, that's right, dictatorship but order. Sti- mm-hmm. But still, from the perspective of what we consider to be possibly evil. Yeah. Um, uh, so, what, what what actually is then balance in the Force? What does that? Do you mean by in the context of the film itself, or what do you think is balance? Because the prophecy is, is mistranslated. It's the balance is, is I mean they've got the Sith have got the rule of two and mm. and yes Anakin was meant to be in balance in order by becoming Sith and what, thinning what, out the the Jedi which are infesting the universe. Yeah, but what there's the, also there's never any more proof that there that the balance was actually tapping into the future and any more than the, the, the that the prophecy was tapping into the future any more than the prophecy that's made up in Kung Fu Panda. You know, somebody once upon a time <laughs> made up this prophecy or the Lego Movie. Somebody once upon a time <laughs> made up a prophecy and then later on other people are interpreting things to fit it. Um, yeah, the Lego movie is a perfect there is, example. There is no proof that there's any more validity to behind the original prophecy than that. It, that following the films, though, isn't Luke the ultimate ex, uh, part of the prophecy? Like Luke is actually who was prophesied, not Anakin. But you're saying the prophecy is just all gunk anyway. Well, Luke, Luke decimates no, the no, last no proof. It, it's more than it's anything. Uh, there's no proof. It's not gunk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's where, 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 thousands where do, of years to have somebody in the course of history. <laughs> accidentally kind of fit it <laughs> <laughs> almost self-fulfilling prophecy then it's like well, we have a prophecy and we just need to like shoehorn somebody into the prophecy in order to justify oh, that know, the prophecy with, exists with, uh, Kung, with both Kung Fu Panda and the Lego movie what they use for the example they make that point yeah. <laughs> that, 
is that the prophecy helps inspire people to do things to live up to it. Yeah. Provides a goal that somebody might manage to live up to someday. Ah, and you, you can say it's like, well, Luke fits it, or Luke seeing it in Darth Vader. Yeah. Seeing that, you know, inside, you know, this person with his darkness, there's light inside there. And Luke seeing it with Luke seeing it with everybody. Luke sees bad and good, especially he sees good beyond the bad. You know, he he's he I think he sees it generally and I think it's more a matter of recognizing that people have layers. People are complicated. I really think throughout Star Wars, especially the original trilogy, and we can make arguments about the other two, but throughout Star Wars, you know, a recurring theme is that there's never only one hope, and you need to look past the surface. You know, as I'll point out, it's like, you know, the damsel in distress has to take over her own rescue. The scoundrel who says he'll never stick out his, his neck out for anybody does. The, the, one of the most nurturing characters, the one who goes looking for C-3PO when 3PO is missing, is the big hairy carpet who supposedly rips arms out, but we never see that. <laughs> and who are, the de- who are the deadliest killers? The teddy bears. Uh, but... But ultimately, the day is won because Luke sees beyond Darth Vader's dark surface to see layers beneath him where Ben doesn't see it. Ben lost hope. And Ben says, oh, there's only one hope. And Yoda says, you know, there's another hope. Uh, but it's, uh, and, and it starts off with Leia saying, you're my only hope. And Luke's point is like, there's never only one hope. So well done. Nice. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> I think we'll end it there, actually. Yep. I, I was, I was, I was going to sort of tie it back in a little bit, but I think that pretty much that says it all. Yep. It is... There's multiple hopes. My hope is that episode seven is good. <laughs> yes. There we go. See, and then, you know what? And, and if it's not well, you know, there's not only one hope. There is another movie and more coming along afterwards. Yeah, did Disney certainly milking it for all it's worth with the 25 announced movies they're going to do in this year? I'm actually looking forward to Rogue Squadron. I reckon that looks yes. pretty cool. I'm looking forward to the Bounty Hunters film myself. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, for for a group of characters that appear for what thirty seconds in Empire Strikes Back, I am absolutely fascinated. There's so much more expanded universe backstory, though. Have you read any of the expanded universe? No, no, I haven't. The IG88 uh, story is absolutely yeah. brilliant. Read it, check it out. It's it, it, it's it's that production design thing that you give credit to the Star Wars people for. There's this bunch yes. of characters, and there's a guy you know who looks like crap. He's wrapped in bandages, and then there's this fly-looking monster that has a robot version of himself next to him. And I'm like, I want to know yeah. all of these oh, stories. You know, that's, that's, I think, the, the amazing thing about Star Wars. Production design is what intrigued people about Boba Fett before he ever did anything. My daughter-in-law yeah. saw the original trilogy. And when, after she saw the original trilogy, she said, she said, okay, what's the big deal with Boba Fett? He's a guy who yes. falls in a hole. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he does nothing. He's no good. He just looks cool. No. He does, he does, no. he, the one thing he does is track Han Solo to Bespin yeah. and then from that point onwards it, like everything is either handed to him or he botches it himself yeah the initial <laughs> tracking the, yeah the initial mm. tracking part is, is shows his cleverness yeah. uh, but everything after that yeah <laughs> Yeah. Hopeless, <laughs> but as you say, an, an amazing design, yeah. and and it's a uh, like uh, with a lot of the Star Wars stuff. It's a design that makes you want to know the story behind the design, yeah. which I think is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Langley, thank you once again for joining us. It's uh, it is an absolute pleasure talking to you. Well, may the Freud be with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> how long were you waiting to say that? Oh, that's that's actually how I sign books usually, even though. We don't go into Freud in this book. There's so much young. It's like there's one brief mention of Freud in the entire book, but I just love that phrase. I love the sound of may the Freud be with you. <laughs> Which is strange given that, you know, the, 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 that your favorite Empire Strikes Back has the one big Freudian, or two big Freudian moments I should get, you know, with, um, no, I am your father, but also with uh, Luke kissing his sister. She, yes. she, she wasn't. She wasn't his sister yet. She wasn't his sister yet. But and, and Luke, Luke had Lucas. George Lucas had not even decided she was going to be his sister yet. You know, originally, Luke was going to end the last movie, heading off to look for that other hope. And Lucas decided, oh, we need to wrap it up and make somebody be be here. So uh, it's her. So that. So, Back when he was kissing his sister, before he got trained by Yoda and, and stopped that, you know, back back when he was kissing his sister, she wasn't his sister yet. You know, it's, it, that's a retroactive, that's a retcon. And we, Alex and I both hinted at this in the book, that, you know what, how do we know she's his sister? Really, how do we know? Yeah, but they just say there, how, there is another. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how, how do we know? Uh, ben tells Luke yeah. that there's the sister. Luke guesses that it's Leia. 
Ben does not confirm this. He just says, your insights serve you well. Ben, the guy who says things that are only true from a certain point of view. Let's face it, Jonathan. One more thing on this, though. And when Luke is fighting Vader, and Vader senses Luke's sister in his thoughts, yeah. that provides a reason right there why Ben wouldn't tell him the truth. Right. Ah, uh, fair point. But the, fair but the point. only other girl it could possibly be is Mon Mothma. There's only other one be, other woman in the in, 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 in the anybody we know. There's a galaxy full of billions of people. We don't <laughs> have to have seen the character already. <laughs> it can be one of these people is like yeah we 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 could have the next movies pass the Bechdel test for a change yeah. and have other women in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is so good. Oh, well, thank you, thank you again. As if um, if okay. if you're if you're amicable, I very much love you to be on the show again. Uh, but uh, for Walking Dead, maybe. But uh, for this for this particular episode, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, it's always fun. <laughs> thank you, Travis. Th- take care. Take care. Bye. 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 <laughs> well, that was awesome. He's a champion. Mm. I just, I... Really, really fascinating insights in there. And I must admit, some some stuff that I hadn't necessarily considered before. Oh, I love these. I, I love these ex- explanation for why the he's Anakin's fall from grace. Actually, could actually possibly make a bit more sense as yeah. the Anakin transition to Darth Vader because yeah. it is quite rushed in the films. Let's be honest; I mean, yeah. it doesn't. It's it's really in your face. Yeah. <laughs> but his explanations for the 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 drug that is the Force, yeah, yeah. combined with the, the cybernetics, and then combined, so, yeah, the then, then, then yeah. later on, yes, and it's Palpatine's it's, mind control. Yeah, I was really. It's, it was good. He's 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 always always fun to have on. It's, it's hopefully we can have him on again and. and uh, and uh, check out check out the book, Star Wars Psychology: Dark Side of the Mind. I did it right. Did it right. <laughs> in, in honor of Dr. Lely, I did, I did it, right. um, it is available on uh, on Amazon. So um, uh, check it out. It's well worth your time. It's got a lot of very very smart and talented people writing for it. Episode seven. Anyway, let's so, <laughs> so finish up with coming soon. Uh, in cinemas, uh, December ten. We get one film. <laughs> one. Because yeah. nobody's stupid enough <laughs> to try to release a film around the Star Wars area. Because <laughs> obviously the week after that, we didn't get episode seven. But uh, so December, uh, December 10, we get Mississippi Grind, uh, which is Ryan Reynolds and Australia's own Ben Mendelsohn uh, about uh, a group of gamblers on a road trip, or a duo of gamblers on a road trip. It's not a group, it's only two people. Uh, what's the rule constituting a group? <laughs> More than More two. Than two. <laughs> <laughs> One, well, two, companies, many. Well, if, okay, two's a company, I guess. Three's a crowd, so... Yeah, yeah. anyway. <laughs> Look so at that's this it, one. yeah. Batman, it. Batman and Robin are a duo. The Justice League are a group. That's right. Soul. That's the, the final word on the subject. That's my nerd word. That's my nerd word for the day. So that's, uh, that's it for episode uh, 172. Uh, please join us uh, next week for episode 173 with, uh, with Bo. Finally back. Bo's triumphant return. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, but then uh, there's the a very special episode 174. It's all Star Wars all the time. Oh, right. So we'll, uh, we will, of course, have seen episode seven by that point. And uh, we're either going to be very happy or not. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in for our thoughts <laughs> and, uh, on the on the movie itself and uh, basically everything involved in that film. It's going to be epic. Hopefully. May the Freud be with you. May the Freud be with you. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Just flat out stealing that line. <laughs> Thanks for me and the crew. Richard. Say Jung and Jungian. Just one more time. Come on. You can do it. Jung and Union. Jung. It's got a G on it. And look. <laughs> Only 12 more sleeps, fanboys. All right. And Crystal. Speaking of all right. <laughs> <laughs> Classy. <laughs> I never said I was classy. (laughs) He's no good to be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. You've been listening to NCP. Thank you for being a part of our crew. If you would like to support the show, you can use the Amazon widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. If you have any feedback, please go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us where you will find a list of the many different ways you can interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.